Good morning. It's Tuesday, January 5th of 2021, the fourth day of the Bible reading plan from Adventures in Odyssey. Today's verses are Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32, Joshua chapter 6, and Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 to 15. I'll start in the Psalms today, and this continues the pattern of wondering, is this a heart issue? Is it a an issue of, of the will or of actions or obeying the commandments or what that the psalmist is speaking of here? And these verses made it clear to me, even more clear, that it is a matter of the heart. It's not explicit in these verses, and following from the previous verses, it still is a matter of following God's will and his commandments, but verse 25 and verse 30 made that more clear to me that the heart starts, or the heart begins the process, and then the actions follow from that. For instance, verse 25 in the NIV says, I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. This is the psalmist saying that he is at his low point. He can't do it on its own. Preserve his life according to God's word is the prayer that he asks. And then verse 30 says, I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. The path has been chosen to follow God's laws. And even though in the previous verse, 29, he says, keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. He admits there are temptations for me. There are places where I can fall. But because I have set my heart on your truth, on the way of truth, and on your laws, therefore I trust you to protect me, and I trust that you will keep me safe. That is the psalmist's prayer, and that should be our prayer as well. So this chapter of history, I guess, is from Joshua chapter 6 and Joshua chapter 6, verses 10 to 15, which are the fall of Jericho and the battle between the uh, battle of the five armies. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, where the sun stood still over, I think, is it Gibeon? I don't remember right now, but we'll, we'll find out. Uh, in, the, in the battle of Jericho, I didn't have a lot, again, I didn't have a lot to say about this because it's, uh, again, these are really miracles. These are, this is God intervening in the lives of the Israelites, in, in the, the story of his chosen people and performing these amazing miracles. And so um, it's, it's interesting to see this in the Old Testament. You don't see a lot of these miracles in the New Testament or well, you see miracles in the New Testament. You don't see them in real life is what I'm trying to say or in, in everyday modern day life. You don't see God doing huge things like this because a lot of what God does like childbirth is a miracle. I, I think Wit even mentioned that in an Odyssey episode. The birth of a child is a, uh, an everyday miracle. But you, it's not something that is very apparent in the history books of huge miracles like this. Whereas the fall of Jericho can really only be a miracle. I don't see a, a physical explanation for it. There could be somewhere. I know there was somebody who I was watching years ago who said that uh, Jericho could have been like symphonic or harmonic vibration. I don't know where the Israelites walking around the city caused it to crumble because they were walking at the exact frequency that the walls could drop. It's all really fascinating, but still God was the one who orchestrated that. And God intervened in the story of the Israelites to bring them victory because they're his chosen people. And because they relied on him and had such a strong leader in Joshua, a leader who was so devoted to God and so pure in heart and following after God, they were successful. And they led to the success of Israel and to their, their story throughout history being, um, being preserved. And as I was reading, I found an interesting tie into the, the Psalms that 
we've been reading over the past couple of days in that how do you follow God's commands fully or how how are you blessed if you don't always follow God's commands? And in the fall of Jericho, Joshua specifically said, kill everyone except Rahab and her family and her mother and father, her brothers and her children, because she hid the spies and she did the work of the Lord. That is interesting because Rahab is a prostitute and because she is clearly going against the law written in the Old Testament. She's clearly going against God's moral code and what he has laid down of what are proper relations between man and woman. But she is still blessed and she is still saved. She's made a part of the heritage, the lineage of Christ because of this, even though she was a prostitute, even though she disobeyed the law. The moral law that has been laid down from the very beginning that everyone should be able to see and that God made clear in the Old Testament laws when they were actually written down. But Rahab, also possibly not even a believer, I'm trying to remember, we didn't, this section wasn't one that was read of whether she believed in the God of the Israelites, but she is clearly a sinner. And by the first couple sections of Psalm 119, it would appear that she is not blessed, but she is because of what the Israelites, how they reward her, and because she, in her heart, followed God, which is amazing to me. We shouldn't follow in her example of her actions of being a prostitute, but we should follow in her heart that she trusted the power of God and she trusted those two Israelite spies and treated them well. And therefore, if we do the will of God, if we are following his will, although we may be broken people and although we may struggle, we should repent. But God can use us no matter what. God can use anyone for his will and God can bless anyone according to his perfect mercy and his perfect justice. There was another thing in the uh, in chapter 10 verse, what was it? The very first verse, I thought, wait, this doesn't make sense to me. And I just don't know the historical context, so I probably should do more research on this, but this has jumped out at me. It says, uh, Adoni Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai. And I thought, wait, the king of Jerusalem? And then the king of Jerusalem along with, um, oh, it says the five kings of the Amorites. So Jerusalem was not in Israeli hands at this point or not in the hands of the Israelites. And I'm thinking how interesting that that city ends up becoming basically the holy city for for Judaism in general. And finally, I want to talk about the miracle of the sun standing still over Gibeon. This verse and this story is, again, a great example of God's miraculous power to be able to do this. Because, again, there's no explanation for this in, in science about how this could naturally take place. And this verse has caused quite a bit of controversy in history about whether the Bible, whether the the earth revolves around the sun or the sun revolves around the earth. And I find it rather ridiculous because there's an inherent explanation within the Bible or a clear logical explanation of why this makes sense and why the earth can still revolve around the sun. Uh, Two, actually. First, the one that's commonly accepted by most people uh, these days is that um, movement is relative. And so while the earth has the sun as its center of revolution, the sun is still moving relative to the earth. I mean, Einstein basically proved that with relativity, or that's that's the hypothesis of his 
theory, and I think it makes perfect sense. I studied this in physics. Movement is relative, and I will be studying it in physics next semester. But that's that's how that works. You don't have to say that the Earth is the center of the of the solar system just because the sun stands still. And I'm guessing there were some other factors in, into play when Galileo was put on charges for for that in the I think it was the 1500s. But another explanation for it is that in this verse when Joshua says to the Lord or prays I guess that the sun would stand still and the moon would stand still the moon isn't as much of a problem because it's accepted the moon the moon revolves around the earth but for the sun to stand still guess what the sun stood still the sun has always stood still (laughs) the sun has always been in the same place it doesn't move maybe it moves in reference to the the universe or in reference to the the milky way galaxy but in our solar system the sun does stand still. And guess what? The earth also stood still. This is a case of reading in between the lines in scripture. It's not, it doesn't deny what scripture says to say that the sun stood still because the sun has always and always will continue to stand still. It just also means what's unstated in here is that the, the physics explanation for what's going on here is that the earth also stood still. That, that came into my mind while I was reading. I thought it'd be interesting to share. Um, so this was a little bit different this time. I, I like how, um, as again, as I'm pressing, progressing along in this series or in these, these readings, I'm seeing parallels between the Psalms and the, and the stories in different ways that I don't know if the, uh, the producers of this reading plan intended, but that's the way the Bible works. The Bible has inc- incredible cohesion and, um, God's inspired truth. I was actually talking about this last night with with somebody that the truth of the Bible um, is inerrant and completely inspired and that scripture itself is infallible. And that if you look at the aggregate number of translations, NIV, ESV, King James Version, New American Standard Version, NLT, those are the, the, verses, the versions that come to, to mind off the top of my head. In virtually all of the passages they all have the same truth that jesus is lord he died for our sins he rose from the dead god said this in the old testament this is how creation works this is the fall of man every important thing is the same and the small differences between the translations are tiny i can guarantee that and that is the inspired word of god that the truth no matter how you paraphrase the truth the truth is always inspired and then we translate that into English. And I find it problematic to say that specific translations, I'm not calling anybody out here, by the way, I'm just, I'm just giving my opinion. Um, I find it problematic to say that specific translations are inspired because then you do have mistakes here and there that can be made in the translation. But God in guiding the process of truth and in guiding the tenets of the Bible to say specific things and to reflect his truth, his absolute truth, that is inspired. Just a, just a little tangent there. It doesn't have really a lot to do with the, the passage today, so sorry about that, or, or thanks, I guess. I don't know. Um, again, thank you continually for your prayers and for, if you're reading along with me, for your insights and thoughts on this. I'm, I'm getting a couple personal messages and a couple comments on, on these posts, so, so thank you. I appreciate you um, listening along with me and reading along with me. Um, it's something we need. It's something I don't do often enough. I haven't had a consistent Bible reading plan, and it's so refreshing to be able to do this and to express my thoughts in not a blog and not 
uh, any other way but in a podcast because that's the way I feel most comfortable. Hopefully I'm not rambling too much for you, but thank you for, for listening again with me. I, um, again, hope you have a great day and keep reading, keep praying, and I will see you tomorrow.